previously on the prompt. He'd be like, my cat died. Thumbs up, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the prompt, a weekly panel discussion on technology and the culture surrounding Apple and related companies. This is July 17th, and you are listening to the world's greatest podcast. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined this week by a, our returning host, Mr. Federico Vitici. Welcome back, Federico. Hello, people of the world. I'm back. We're back. We're happy to have you back. We missed you a lot last week. Sean did an excellent job filling in for you, but there is, you know, there is nobody like Federico. So, no, oh, thanks, man. Are we going to coalesce some timers today? I don't know. What are we going to do today? Well, we'll find out in a moment. But I want to introduce our other host of the show, Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen Hackett. Hello, gentlemen. So, should we start with a little bit of follow-up? We've got some chunky topics today. Follow-up. Yeah. Um, so, last week, Sean, Sean Block was on, and we were talking about cameras and photo management, and we kind of wrapped up our, our time together with a... Uh, a question of like, would it be cool? Like, would we be interested in a product that combined, you know, a good uh, Micro Four Thirds or good point and shoot camera with a smartphone? And uh, we mentioned uh, a couple. One that we talked about was the Galaxy S4 Zoom, that has uh, in the time that has elapsed since last week has been reviewed. And the very next day, and apparently it had been leaked, but I missed it. Uh, Nokia announced the ten uh, twenty. Which yeah. is a what is it forty one megapixel mm-hmm. smartphone camera yeah. thing? Like the whole sto- backstory of this is, um, Nokia had a phone called the PureView, which had this camera, and it was a it was basically a Lumia, but it ran Symbian. Um, <laughs> no one wants that. But because they, they've been they'd already started <laughs> releasing Windows Lumia phones, but they've been working on this phone for so long before the no- the Microsoft stuff started so they released it anyway obviously it didn't do very well do you remember when they would when nokia were getting like just slammed online for faking uh videos and faking press shots and stuff uh, like that? oh yeah they had like a video of like we're shooting this video out of a car and like it went by a window and you could see it was like a van with like mm-hmm. a real camcorder and like the um they were doing you know, i don't pe- trust any i don't trust anyone in, in panel vans really okay that's fine um <laughs> Uh, but the, yeah, it was, it was a lot of that was to do with this with this camera, and then they had uh, then there was lots and lots of leaks that there was going to be a Lumia version of this, lots of case stuff, and then they had an event which seemingly came out of nowhere, um, and then uh, they announced that they have got a the ten twenty, which is another Lumia phone. Uh, they're naming. Can can we just complain about the naming for a second? This is how Nokia have always named their products. I, I know, but it's so confusing. Like the ten twenty, the seven hundred, the nine fifty. You know, whatever. Like I think what makes it worse is because they use the brand name Lumia, so they're all Lumia something, and that makes it really difficult. Well, they should name it the Lumia something, but use words like the Lumia Pixel or the Lumia Sadness or the Lumia Depression. Like uh, Federico, do you have any good Lumia names? I don't know. Uh, I guess all these phones look the same to me. <laughs> do, 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 do they even have any exclu- exclusive features? I mean, these are all just an, a bunch of random numbers. Um, they kind of add what a bunch it, of software features, and I guess this one oh, yeah? has the awesome camera. Yeah, what's oh. quite interesting about Nokia is that they are like adding to Windows Phone. So, like, the Lumia devices get additional features and applications. It's kind of strange. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So maybe the the twenty twenty is actually a number for the for, for the number of units they're gonna sell, like ten or twenty. Oh, oh. boom! <laughs> oh, I thought you was gonna even give them a thousand and twenty, but no, it was either ten or twenty. Federico's an analyst. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like I, you know, part of me is like rooting for Nokia. Like I think this this stuff is really cool, but the the thing that kills it for me is that it run it runs Windows Phone, like. If there was running Android, it would be a more compelling product to me. But yep. even so, with this camera, they introduced a new SDK that they're kind of like grafting onto the back of Windows Phone uh, that lets the uh, third party applications interact with these large images. And I'm sure, you know, that sort of thing will get folded into Windows Phone eventually. But like, it, 
the the apps that I want just aren't on Windows Phone, and um, I think that's going to continue to hamper Nokia's success. But you know they're so I mean they're they're just so in bed with Microsoft. I mean Stephen Elop was a Microsoft executive. Now of course is the chief uh, executive officer at Nokia. It's like just I just don't see where they're going to end up long term. I, I don't think that's going to be a good thing. No. But hey, it's bright yellow, so there's that. Yep. And it, then this, uh, phone, this phone is yellow. Yeah, there's a yellow version of it. Oh, Are you colorblind? Nice. No, I'm not. There's a there is a bright yellow uh, version, a black like Big version, Bird. and a white. I, yeah. I just like the I just like the color. <laughs> Maybe that's one feature they have. It's the yellow. They do have, they do have the color. I do think they make nice phones. It's just that I, like you said, Stephen, I'm, I just can use one, and, and and I've seen one because my my girlfriend's sister has a has a Lumia something and um <laughs> yeah uh, man i don't have the time to learn the names and um they don't have the apps i mean there's maybe whatsapp and there's facebook and there's uh, i don't know something else maybe maybe angry birds uh, it's just uh, i'm too nerd for these phones yeah, yeah. Uh, they don't would, have they don't have the apps you want federica yeah yeah uh, that's a problem for me so Major congrats to Nokia for the camera, for the, you know, for the all the Windows Phone thing, but not for me. Not, not, it not isn't for me. like it is an incredible technical feat. Like, it, I mean, it is, but like it's also kind of not. Like, I don't know. It, huh. it is impressive, and the engineering they've done is impressive, but it just, I don't know. Maybe it's it's the lack of apps and everything else that just kind of puts a puts a uh, a black eye on the whole thing for me, but. Like I want this to be like better integrated. Like if you look at the the Verge has product photos and it's like this giant like hockey puck like taped to the back of your phone. Like yeah, I mean you know that's just because the sense, that's just Gen the sen- One. I mean that's just Gen One stuff. You know the sense is huge, right? And it, yeah, it has to be. And if you think back to the first camera phones, the sensors were huge on those as well. You know most camera phones, right. the, the the like the lens bulged out of the phone. I mean there's a I mean, lot of Android phones do this that do that and still. it could run the Newton OS. I would be sold. Until then, Nokia, you're dead to me. Interesting. Can you imagine taking a picture of your food at 41 megapixels? <laughs> be like, oh, there's a hair on that soup. I'm pretty that, sure people could taste it at that resolution. That's gonna show every bite, every, <laughs> every single one. So earlier, <clears throat> earlier today, as people might imagine, the three of us pretty much have a running text message conversation, and mm-hmm. on Wednesdays especially, you know, we're talking about what we're going to do on the show and. Um, I remarked this morning that while we were texting, I was going to work, and you know, you guys had, were already eating lunch, and um, so now I know, Federico, that you were taking pictures of the pasta you were eating. So I didn't. Well, I did you have failed. You have failed at Instagram. That's because you don't have a forty-one megapixel camera on your phone. Yeah, That's you why. See? You see, there is a market for these phones. Because People like me, casually eating pasta alone, you know, <laughs> taking pictures of pasta. That's seriously some. I should be an analyst. I should go to Nokia and say, hey, you know what? You should address the market of guys like me eating pasta. Because <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's, that's a real shot at serious market share. <laughs> what does it mean to eat pasta casually? Did you Ca- have no pants? You know, casually means, you know, there is the formal Italian lunch or dinner. You know, with a lot of friends, a lot of relatives. And there's the casual one. The casual one is like uh, uh, a single guy, probably like me. Possibly not wearing pants because, I mean, you're home alone. Why do you want to get dressed up? (laughs) And, um, and, you know, you just make some pasta. uh, And you casually eat pasta. And that's, I don't know, why should I eat a sandwich? I mean... It's not like I'm in an office. I'm home. I can make some pasta. So, so I'm going to eat, eat it casually. So Federico, <laughs> every, that make sense. every Thursday. Do I sound crazy? No, no, no. Do I'm a, Not at all. Every Thursday, I work from home. Like I, I typically work in, a, in an office, but on Thursdays, I work at home. And every Thursday, I casually eat pasta for lunch. See? See? That's a thing. Typically wearing no pants because I'm working at home. Although when I say pants, I mean American pants, not English pants, because that's different. 
<laughs> What's the difference? Sorry, uh, I don't know. What's the difference? We call pants underwear. That's what what we... are you implying with this difference? <laughs> what has happened to this show? Lots of things. I don't know. Let's move on. Let's... <laughs> so the, the, last, the last bit of uh, follow-up uh, is also related to our conversation with Sean about Flickr versus Instagram. And uh, he, the next day, uh, wrote a really uh, nice piece over on um, SeanBlanc.net about sharing on Instagram and Flickr and how, you know, in one place you get like immediate feedback and, you know, likes and comments and on Flickr, that's not really the case anymore, but how he feels conflicted because he puts his best images on Flickr because his best images he feels are taken with his Olympus, not with his iPhone. I just thought it was a really good read. Um, I mean, Sean could write uh, an obituary and it'd be, you know, like awesome, but hopefully all obituaries are awesome though. I don't know. I've heard some duds. Mm. Um, oh man, I, I went to journalism some obituaries. Are... What? Some of them are awful. Trust me. <laughs> Federico is casually eating pasta, reading obituaries. Well, clearly, you <laughs> yeah. both read a lot of obituaries. I don't. I don't really read any. Uh, we so... are expert. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, please continue. I don't think I can. I um, think. That no, in, in journalism school, we had to take, like, there was a little assignment of, like, writing an obit for somebody. Hmm. It's depressing. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's a good article. You should check it out. Um, I do think Flickr is uh, behind, obviously, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, especially on the social end of things where Instagram is really eating their lunch. Um, uh, and taking lots, pictures lots of, of it at the same time. You want to tell me about something you like? <laughs> Oh, that was a great joke. I can't, you know. Anyway. Mm. anyway. I, think that, I think that Flickr is a great example of the fact that even if you give people free space, free storage space, and lots of it, if you don't have the platform and the service and the users, in the end, people just don't care as much as... I mean, can you imagine if Dropbox you know, just comes out and says, you know, you got two terabytes for free. People are going to freak out, and they're going to use the... They're gonna use a lot, of Dropbox. Yeah, like people freak out with in, Flickr. Even, I mean, Flickr. How much space are they giving away? Two terabytes? Um, something. Isn't it like you get uh, a terabyte for free? It's and a terabyte for free, and then you can pay for I think two. You know, I I completely agree with Shana. Even with all this free space and redesign and and and, and Maurice Meyer and everything. I just don't see the engagement. I don't see the response when I, when I, when, when people upload some great photos and, uh, and and then I go to Instagram and I snap a photo of my pasta or my or my I don't know whatever and I see the likes and the comments and and and, and the people engaging with 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 a stupid picture. So so I don't know maybe maybe it's it's really too late. It's it's a totally uh, different world like when when Flickr was popular and people were commenting on it and stuff. That was when people were doing these things on their desktop. Well now we do them on our phones and Flickr doesn't have an app that really is for that. They don't have yeah, a social a, network a, like that. It's a nice app I guess when they when they relaunched it earlier this year. But I don't know years passed, you know it's been 3 years almost since Instagram came out. And uh, many people have moved on, and there's no way to get them back. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Free space, uh, redesign that's sort of crazy in places, isn't enough. Um, so we'll see. You know, I think I think as time goes on, Flickr, uh, they've either they've either have to turn the corner or they're going to go away. Like I don't see how they could exist forever in this weird in between space. But um, but I'm not Yahoo, so they haven't asked me. They should though. They should. Michael. Yes. Remember that thing I asked you about a second ago? Yep. Let's do that. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own website. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the code TALLYHO, T-A-L-L-Y-H-O. Squarespace is constantly updating their platform with fantastic new features, new designs, and great support. They have beautiful designs for you to start with, and tons of style options for you to adjust so you can really create your own space online. Squarespace takes care of hosting, SEO, and even makes your site look automatically fantastic on any 
device. It's incredibly easy to use, but if you want some help, Squarespace has an amazing support team that works 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. While you're there, over at squarespace.com, make sure you check out their new homepage too. It's got some awesome videos that are really beautiful that show you how Squarespace fits everyone differently. Make sure you click the little arrows on the sides to check out all of the cool videos that they have made. As we said earlier, you can try Squarespace for free, no credit card required, and if you decide to purchase, it starts at just $8 a month and includes a domain name if you sign up for a year. And make sure you get your 10% off and support the prompt by using the code TALLYHO. So go check out Squarespace, everything that you need to create an exceptional website. Gentlemen, there was some huge news for me this week. Oh, did you finally... uh, I don't know. There's not end of that joke. Nope. Oh, man, the government? Oh, aside from the the, the government was last week. Uh, Frankly, the government have not followed up with me. Okay. So that's good. That's good to hear. So Logic Pro X was released, which is something that I have been waiting for for a very, very long time. 10. Is it Pro X? I did it, didn't I? Yeah, I did it. 10. Yeah, you did it. You've become one of those. So basically, before you came on the phone today, Stephen, me and Federico were talking about how to pronounce this, and I said, I know I'm going to say X. Yeah, because you call it, you call OS X by the name it should not be named. I don't call it that. I just think that it should be called OS X. But so, that's a totally different matter for a whole... That is a topic on its own that we should address one day. Oh, Logic no, you didn't. Yeah, well, as, no, why I think it should be called now, why I think it should be called OS X rather than OS X. But anyway... Logic um, Pro 10. Logic Pro 10. I was very surprised. I mean, there hasn't been, as far as I can tell, a peep about this. Um, no, the last but, sort of stuff that we heard was there was no going to be a Logic Pro. Right. And so in the show notes, which you can find at 5x5.tv slash prompt slash 5, yep. um, we have some some links. One of them is to Jim Dalrymple's uh, review. He, he uh, had uh, some time with Logic Pro 10. And that's kind of how he frames his review of like, you know, people were saying Logic Pro was going away or what would be worse, uh, it be kind of turned into like a garage band pro. And um, he states, and from everything I've read and heard, um, that uh, that is not the case. The Logic Pro 10 is very much alive and that they've only made it better. And, uh, Instead, you know, when Final, if you guys kind of rewind the clock a little bit, when Final Cut Pro 10 was released, remember it was like not received very well. They they took out a lot of features that people had come to depend on, and now even though a lot of those features have been added back in, Final Cut Pro 10, uh, its name has kind of gotten a uh, a bad reputation, and so I think Apple has avoided that this time. And according to the all capital letters note I just got, Mac Stories. Which uh, I'm not familiar with this work. Um, had a oh, no. article in 2011 predicting it. So good job. Uh, who is this guy? Fed- Federico Vatisi. I think his oh, name's man. Fred. Those are Fred. Italians. Freddie V. <laughs> uh, Freddie V. Back in 2011 uh, had an article about this. <laughs> what do they know? So <laughs> I have tried it out. I am very impressed. I. I've been wanting to learn Logic Pro for a while because I'm currently using GarageBand to the horror of all my podcasting friends. To say, literally people just crash their cars. Um, and I, I do feel like I've pushed past what GarageBand can give me and I need... And I wanted to be... I want to be able to, to move up to Logic, but the, the old Logic Pro 9 interface was an absolute car crash. I just couldn't... <laughs> could not work out how to use that application. Um, within half an hour on Logic Pro 10, I was able to set all of my inputs up with my Firewire mixer exactly as I wanted it, which I had struggled to do for like six months in Logic Pro 9. Um, so I am very happy with that. Um, and I will be moving over to Logic Pro 10 in full very soon. Obviously, I'm not going to do it today because I just started to learn the application yesterday. <laughs> Probably would have been a bad idea. So, Federico, I wanted to ask you um, what you thought about the pricing. Um, you know, famously, the iOS App Store does not offer upgrade pricing, so 
the the example everyone talks about is Tweedy to Tweedy Two, Lauren Bricker charged the two ninety nine or whatever it was again. And this is what Apple has done in the Mac App Store as well. So far, we have not seen upgrade pricing uh, on the Mac App Store. So Logic Pro Nine, which was out um, until two days ago, was one hundred and ninety nine bucks, I think, or something. And and Logic Pro Ten again is one hundred and ninety nine bucks. What, what what do you think Apple's sending a message? You think they're just working within the limitations of the App Store, or what do you think? I think it's been clear for quite a while now that they just don't want to 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 do the upgrade pricing like we're used to. You know, like back in the days where, where when you could buy software from a from a developer's website, and you still can, but before the Mac App Store, you would get a discount if you own a previous version of an app and you bought it within a certain time frame. And I think it's been clear for years. I mean, Apple did this for, I guess, uh, Final Cut 7, Pro 7, Aperture, maybe. And um, they didn't offer any sort of upgrade pricing. So I think it's been clear for a while that they just don't want to. And maybe there is a technical limitation in that they haven't had time to to build the actual, I don't know, infrastructure to, to handle the, the upgrade pricing and the licenses. But I mean, do we seriously believe that? I mean, the App Store has been around for more than two years now and the App Store for five. And they didn't have time to, to, to think about an upgrade pricing feature. I don't think that's the case because, I mean, it's Apple. It's not like some dudes in a garage making software. Yeah. So... Um, <laughs> They added in app purchases, like they, you know, they they obviously have been able to add payment systems, like extra payment functionality into right. the store's infrastructure. Yeah, so sure. they could and, have done upgrade, but they have chosen not to. And there are great changes coming in iOS seven for receipts and in app purchases. There's lots of of new stuff coming, but there's not uh, uh, that kind of upgrade pricing that we're used to, and I guess that. With with uh, with the new Logic Pro 10, they're 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 you know saying once again this is the way that we see this kind of this cover this kind of change. There is a major new version of an app you charge again full price new app. Obviously, being used to the old concept of you know having the sort of discount and, and all those benefits if you own the previous version of an app. I don't think that's the best. That's the best way to handle it, but it's been clear for years now. So I am surprised that they're doing they're doing it once again. But then again, I'm not that surprised because they, they did it before. They uh, they have shown no interest in in doing upgrade pricing and trials and demos and and all that kind of stuff that old school Mac developers want. So that's just another example of Apple doing this thing they've been doing for years, and, and that's just the way it is. I, I don't know what else to say. It's it's just I what think, they want to. I think it's priced pretty well. Like I, I was thinking about maybe going to Pro Tools 11 um, and trying that out, but that costs £550. Um, Logic Pro 10 cost me £140, so I was pretty happy with the price of Logic. Yeah, and you know, I think uh, I think from everything I've read, the updates well worth the money. I mean, if I mean, like I said, look at at its competitors, and even look at what Apple's done in the past with its pro apps. The prices are obviously coming down, and so I think I think asking develop or asking developers, asking you know studios or you know, hobbyists or whoever you know, people who are going to buy a pro application to spend one ninety nine again. I think is is completely reasonable. Um, you know, I think if 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 the, if the price is something you balk at, then you know maybe it's it's you know it, it's an investment. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And and at two hundred dollars, it's not a huge investment for many of us, but it's uh, it's one that I think is is completely reasonable for Apple to ask of its users. And Lo- um, Logic Pro Nine was released on the twenty third of twenty Jan- third uh, of June two thousand and nine. So. Yeah, it's it's been it's been around a long time, and it used to be like a family of applications, and and now it's Logic Pro Ten and just Main Stage, which is like the live music component of it. Um, and there's a free Logic Pro or Logic app for iPad that gives you some control over your system uh, from your tablet, so you could be walking around setting up a studio or you know listening uh, to a mix while you're laying on the floor. 
Um, I'm really yeah, excited great, to try Creative that. people do crazy things. And well, especially for you, Mike, like, uh, you know, I've seen photos of your desk, like, you know, your desk isn't really optimal for what you do. So maybe if the mixer is too far away or it require like, you know, reaching over something and possibly bumping something else, having your iPad right in front of you could be a big, a big thing. Yeah. The ability to like just mute tracks, um, so- soft like that, like without having to reach over and hit the buttons, etc., would be really, really useful for me. Hitting buttons is so so twenty twelve. I don't want to do that. Nobody wants to do that. Uh, there's um, yeah. So so we've got we got the stuff in the show notes. Uh, so uh, Mike, you or have upgraded or are in the process of upgrading to it. Um, I have in the past had Logic installed. I'm not really doing anything I need it for uh, currently. But if I do, if I do find myself needing it again, I'll I'll definitely uh, spring for it. So should we move on? Yes. Federico, the next topic uh, you put in, so do you want to lead it? Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a topic that I've been thinking about for quite a while now. And um, <clears throat> every year when a, when a new version of, of iOS or OS is about to come out, I look at my devices and I look at my workflows and, and all my scripts and all my third-party apps, and I ask myself if, if considering the changes that are about to come out, and the new features of the operating system that I'm about to use every day. Are those third-party apps and workflows really the best way to, to get my job done, to, 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 to sit down every day with my MacBook or with my iPad and, and do stuff and do work? And uh, with iOS 7 and Mavericks, um, all these improvements that Apple is making to iCloud and these new, these new interfaces and, and these new apps that, that we're about to see from, 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 from Apple. I wonder if, if maybe it's, it's just like every year, it's time to reconsider what I, the way I'm working. And uh, I've been thinking a lot about the fact that all my third-party apps, the ones that I use every day that I'm, that I'm, that I'm typically excited to, to use and you know, to play around, to tweak, to make, to make scripts for, they don't use iCloud at all. And uh, iCloud has been famously criticized over the past year for a lot of issues, uh, especially for the party developers and, and for, uh, for sync issues with, with, with Apple software too. But I wonder if maybe, my question is, does Apple have the benefit of the doubt again? Can I, can I, can I try again? Because what I ask myself is that Obviously, and especially on iOS, there are some clear benefits in using in using Apple's built-in apps. For example, the fact that if you're gonna use the mail client, uh, links are gonna open in Safari, or the fact that reminders using iCloud is a, is an app that can that can sync changes in the background all the time. And there are countless examples of, of the kind of stuff that, that Apple limits you in, in the way you work on iOS and OS X. And so um, my question is, when do workflows and, and, and uh, you know, the way you get, you get things done, when do they get too complicated and maybe too, too I guess, too complex? And you can maybe reconsider the first-party tools that that Apple gives you, uh, and that comes uh, that come, you know, built-in in the operating system. And I and I and I wonder if you guys go through a similar process every year, and if you do, what are the factors and the aspects that you consider? Yeah, I definitely do, and. Um I would say I spend more time thinking about this on iOS than I do the Mac. Um, you know, I, I, you know, like Chrome versus Safari is the big one for me on the Mac. Like I really uh, like Chrome, um, even though I'm currently using Safari uh, in Mavericks because Chrome has a few issues here and there. But you know, you get access to all your stuff you have on on the desktop, and iCloud and Safari only offers you some of that. Um, but there's trade-offs, and I most of the time end up 
back in Apple's default apps on iOS because those trade-offs just aren't worth it to me. You know, things like like you and just like you were talking about having, you know, deep integration in the system. Um, on the Mac, you know, I've used third-party stuff for a lot of things for a long time, and you know, OS 10 as a as a product is more stable and and less likely to change than iOS is, and so I. I don't want to say like I'm stuck in my ways, like I would never change anything on my Mac, but I, I think about it less than I do on iOS. Um, and 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 even so far with Mavericks, there's really nothing in it that uh, makes me want to swap out a third-party solution for for a first-party one. So is that, I don't know. Is that is that make sense? I guess that my problem right now is that um i want to i want to to try ios 7 like i want to go i want to go all the way into ios 7 you know i want to use mail i want to use safari i want to use reminders because i want to i want to get a real impression of the improvements of the changes and I, and I, and i struggle to find this balance between the fact that i want to understand the os i want to know what i'm going to talk about I want to see I, and I want to use the changes and the improvements that Apple is, according to them, making to the US. But on the other hand, I know I'm going to miss the, the, the functionality and the features of third-party apps. For example, right now, I just can't choose between Safari and Chrome and iCab, which is a, a nice third-party browser for, for the iPhone and iPad, which was updated yesterday to support a crazy advanced expert feature, which basically lets you launch apps with the gesture through URL schemes. I mean, that's just crazy for me. I can, I can basically build my own services menu using URL schemes and launch those schemes with gesture. That's crazy. But then again, that's iCap, that's not Safari. So uh, I'm, am I gonna miss Safari's iCloud tabs feature? For sure I'm gonna miss that because that's, that's really useful. But on the other hand, I'm gonna miss Google Chrome, which, which on the Mac has a nice, you know, you can pin tabs or the, there's the sync for everything for passwords and logins and and, and uh, just everything that 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 you use with chrome is synced on mobile devices and of course if i'm gonna if i'm gonna use another browser on ios i'm gonna use the same browser on the mac too because i want to keep everything in sync so i really struggle to 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 wait on a scale what's most important is it most important to 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 have the system integration and and the deep hooks in the operating system with with the Apple software, or can I accept the trade-off of third-party apps but enjoy the the crazy advanced features? And I really struggle right now, this month especially, to to understand what's best for me because I I I, I like to thinker, you know, I like to to play around with things. But eventually, I need to settle on something, and I struggle to 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 see the big picture and see okay every day what am I gonna do? Am I gonna miss this crazy expert feature, or do I want the do I want the, the simpler maybe solution that Apple provides, but that just works in theory? And um, and I think that that's a, a an interesting topic because um. When I when I look at my friends, you know they they don't read my site. They, they as far as I know, they don't read any tech blog, and they all seem to to be doing just fine with Safari and Mail and and, and all the, the 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 default solutions that come on an iPhone or iPad. So is this really a problem that I that I have because I'm a nerd and because I I like to to overthink my problems <laughs> and uh, and. Uh, and so I come to the conclusion that, uh, that maybe with time, uh, maybe if I keep thinking about it and if I keep discussing with people like you guys, uh, I can understand what's best for me. So for me, my iPhone, like because of the way that I work, like um, you know, I'm I when I'm when I'm in my actual day job, I'm using a Windows PC. It's very locked down. Um, so a lot of the stuff that I do during my day, if I want to do anything related to the to the networks, uh, to the network, to the shows, anything, um, I have to do it on my iPhone. 
So, and you know, and that's like nine, ten hours of the day for me. And, you know, I kind of intersperse my work day with, with that work day as well, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so my iPhone is, is without a shadow of a doubt the most important computer that I own um, because I do so much on it and I am so reliant on it. So when I find an application that does something that I need or I have a workflow that, that's good for me, I do not want to break that, like, in any way. Like, and I appreciate, like... Um, I might, you know, that there are uh, I, there are great features that I would be missing out with by not using, you know, um, I don't know, reminders or something like that. You know, like if I want to use Siri and set a reminder, that's not the way that I work. It's not the way that I do things. So I miss out on it. But for me personally, it's like, it would be like crippling myself because I'm so used to, to working in this way. Like I use Chrome on my iPhone because um, it's re- it allows me to, in, you know, it, even though in a, in a really strange way, it allows me to use the bookmarklets for the show notes so I can add things to the links when I'm away from, you know, away from the, the desk or whatever, even though I have to type them in, which is really strange. Um, Federico, I know that you share that pain with me. Um, oh, yeah. So that's such a weird thing, but I can do it. Um, so I may, you know, that makes me happy. Like, if, But if I was to go into Safari, it means I can't add the show links in the same way um it's a very strange it's just a very strange thing for me to do to want to to go out of my way of working just to try something new and there are trade-offs like if i click a link in most applications it opens in safari which is not my web browser um which is a, a real pain and i wish that more apps used the url schemes for that um but yeah, for me, like I can totally appreciate why you would want to. Like, so Apple will spend all this time, and there might be some excellent new features in new parts of iOS seven or new parts of uh, OS ten that will allow you to for it to to work really well together and natively. But if it breaks my workflow, then I'm just not interested in doing that. But yeah, aren't, aren't, sorry, aren't you curious to to know if maybe you're missing out on some great new things that Apple has done? Uh, uh, because I get this kind of itch, you know. I want to know. I want to. I want to see if maybe what I'm doing isn't the best way to do something anymore. And so I go through this process usually, usually in the summer, and 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 uh, and, uh, and I get curious to know. I, I want to know if anything has changed. And this is this is a uh, in a way in a way. You know, it's not good for my job because uh, hmm. it means I'm wasting a lot of time trying things and not actually writing or researching anything. I'm just trying and jumping through apps and and see if maybe oh this change and this is new and and this is improved. But then again, um, I don't know. Maybe maybe just it's just a problem that I like to 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 face every year. And eventually, maybe I, I just I just come to the same conclusion every time that, that, that there are some things that Apple makes and that are good for me. There are other things that I don't like, and so maybe eventually I find my own balance between between Apple apps and between third-party apps, and everything will be fine. And uh, but then again, it's that moment of the year again, so I think it's legitimate for me to wonder about it. I think that's the difference between me and you, though, Federico. Like. I know, I'm sure that there are things that I do which are not the best way to do them, but they're my way of doing it. So I'm happy with that. Hmm. So rather than spending the time to investigate maybe a better way to do it, if it works for me, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Which is why I've used GarageBand for so long. Because it has worked for me up until this point. And it would continue to work for me, but it, it, I, I know that there are certain things, like editing this show is what is making me want to switch because this is the first time where I've really started to feel the strain because of the amount of work that we do afterwards. Um, I know that it would be better somewhere else so that I'm now starting to look elsewhere. But I've, you know, I, I use applications that are potentially underpowered and, and are slower for me, but I'm so used to them that I get set in my ways with them and then I, that's just how I use them. So you don't like adventure? Not like you do. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I mean, Mike has a good point. There is there is a cost to tinkering, and if you, you know, it's 
I've, I've, we've talked about this before in the realm of getting things done. Like if you're always changing the way you're getting things done, application is set up, you're not actually working. And I think there's a degree of that in this conversation where if you're you know, spending all your time bouncing between Safari and Chrome, you're not actually doing any browsing. And I know I, for one, like go over that line pretty often. Well, I'll be like tinkering with something or setting something up and, and then realize that I haven't actually done anything. And um, that's always something I try to be careful of, you know, because I, I know that that's easy for me to do. Hmm. Do you have anything else that you want to add on that, Tichi? I, uh, you know, there's there's maybe one less aspect of this that I, that I like to point out is that um, right now I've got iOS seven on my on my on my iPhone five and uh, and I bought an iPod Touch, uh, one of those you know cheaper ones, uh, just to run iOS six and to take screenshots for my reviews, and uh, and I still have iOS six on my iPad Mini as well. Uh, but just like you, uh, the iPhone is, is the device that's always with me most of the day. And, uh, and so there is an advantage in, in, in using Apple's apps right now because they all have been updated more or less for iOS 7, whereas apps like Google Chrome or OmniFocus or, I don't know, iCab, uh, they are not ready yet for iOS 7. And so uh, maybe I have a I have a, a, a beta bias in that uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I prefer Apple apps right now because they're ready, uh, and maybe everything will change in I don't know maybe a couple of weeks. Uh, I like to wait and see because uh, this is a uh, this is a a bigger and and deeper change than than the past years and. Um, Maybe maybe this year my my questions and, and my doubts are more are more uh, are stronger. Yeah, because, things are about to change in a yeah, huge way. Yeah, I'm I'm more scared, yeah. you know, of change because it's it's such a dramatic change. And so I'm asking myself, oh God, maybe I'm doing something wrong. Maybe I'm doing everything wrong. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you I didn't don't know. buy a Lumia phone, so you're doing something right. I didn't buy a Lumia phone, and uh, I didn't take a picture of my pasta, so everything is still <laughs> mostly fine. I guess we'll see. So should we do app picks? Weekly picks. Oh, yeah. I've got, I've, got a, I've got a good one, I think. Do you want to start then? Yeah, let me start. So, um, you know, some days I've got a big uh, ego. You know, and I, and I like to and I like to 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 reference my old tweets. I think you mean I, ego. Yeah, ego is a waffle. <laughs> no, ego is the Italian way, and it's the Greek way because it's actually it's actually a Greek word. Is, is oh! Greece even still a country? You're being schooled in language now. So you know, I studied ancient Greek and Latin in high school. So maybe you Americans say <laughs> ego. For me, it's ego. So anyway, uh, no, seriously. I know uh, you guys are all weird with your pronunciations and whatever. But anyway, I like to, I like to, to reference myself because I'm, I'm, just, I'm just who I am. And I need to find my old tweets because maybe I said something right back in the past. And I, and I like to, you know, to confirm myself. I know, oh, I was right maybe two years ago. It's totally <laughs> random. But still, I need to find an old tweet. And, you know, Twitter... In the past year, they, they, they activated this awesome feature to, to download an archive of your tweets. And, um, and there is an app that I've been using for, I don't know, maybe two years. It's Tweet Library from, from my, my good friend, Manton Reese. And Tweet Library has been updated in, in the past few months to, to support the, the, the Twitter archive that you can download as a, as a zip file, as a zip archive, and put in your Dropbox. And Twitch Library is going gonna, is gonna to import all those thousands or maybe hundreds, if you don't tweet as much as I do, of tweets. And you can search those tweets and you can just tap and hold a tweet, copy the link, and you're going to reference yourself like there's no tomorrow. And that's just amazing for me because I, I can keep referencing my old tweets, finding things that I used to say, 
And trust me, most of the things that I used to say are completely, uh, you know, out of place right now. But there are a few gems. There are a few good things. <laughs> As you can imagine, I like to find those few good things because I, have, I am approaching 60,000 tweets. And if, uh, if, I can, if I can discover a few hundred that, are actually, that they actually make sense, I need a good <laughs> app for that. And yeah. Tweet Library with the, with, the, with the Twitter Archive option, uh, I found, you know, the perfect yeah. solution. It's bought on the iPhone, on the iPad. I can't remember if it's uh, $4.99 or maybe more. Either way, it's a great app. It's a, it's a great developer, great guy. So, highly recommend it. $7.99. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, so, I don't care. It's a great app. Yeah, I mean, hey, so let me ask you this. Do you have to uh, re-upload re it your re-upload to it your tweet library every so oh. often? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, actually, if you import from, from your first tweet up to, I don't know, uh, the, the, the two years of, of tweets, tweet library is going to store those tweets locally forever. And then every time you launch the app, it's going to check for new tweets after those. Okay. So, uh, for, so I, I imported my, my, my first three years of, of, of tweets. And then every time I launch Tweet Library, it fetches, I don't know, maybe the, 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 the last week or the last month. So, okay. Yeah. So I've, got, I've got in the notes, uh, a guy put together this crazy collection of like Google Drive scripts that basically will uh, run, uh, I think it runs like all the time or every 12 hours or something. And it keeps like an archive of your Twitter account on your Google Drive. And so I've got that running. Um, I've had that running for a while. So I can actually go... I have a bookmark, and it's like my Twitter, my offline Twitter archive, but constantly being updated, uh, which is pretty cool. And you can see how many you've done a month, and it's like my, you know. Yeah, see, I used to use Tweet Library, um, but it annoyed me that it didn't have everything, and I knew it wasn't the fault of Man, uh, of Mountain or Riverfold Software, which is his uh, company, and he he's also responsible for Tweet Marker, which. Incredible piece of software, well, syncing service. I love it. It syncs your tweets across platforms, devices, etc. Um, and I remember at the time, I was like, uh, I want to have everything. And I've not yet gone back and added my archive to it, so I should do that, and then I will start using it again more frequently. Because it's very useful just to search the things. Because it even, like, it does a, a job of, like, caching other people's tweets, like, mentions to you and stuff, and I find that very useful. Cool. That's a good pick. Uh, my pick this week, um, it actually kind of goes hand in hand with what I was saying earlier about computing on the go, and it's Fantastical for iPhone. Um, I love Fantastical on the Mac. Like That's a great app as well, but uh, Fantastical on the iPhone, I use so much every day because I have calendars for work. I mean, I have personal calendars, and I also have all my show recordings. I have them all in calendars. I'm, I'm very... I, I'm a very heavy calendar user. Um, and a few things that I love about um, about this app is one is like the like the today view that you get. So there's a couple of different views you can have in the app. I like to see the full calendar so I can at a glance see sort of how busy my days are. So I see the whole month view and it has the little colored dots. But then, then on the bottom half of the screen, it has all of my events for the day. And you can just sort of scroll through them and view like the next days and stuff. But it's just really great at a glance for me to see how many events I have on a certain day. It grays them out when the event has passed. Um, that's really awesome. And I love to be able to be able to see all of that and to get around to different days really, really fast. And then also, of course, the fantastic uh, natural language entry. So, I mean, sometimes I feel like it does take me longer to write out... Um, the event with all the like the time and the location and add it to the calendar and stuff than it would if I was just scrolling through numbers but I actually prefer to write it out than to like to hit this field scroll to four scroll to 25 and then press done and then go to this field and add this and add this I just like to be able to be like um casually to pasta with Federico at 4 p.m tomorrow like I just prefer to be able to to write that out as opposed to scrolling through all those lists so it's an app that is greatly designed. The The function of it is just fantastic, and there are loads of great little features. Um, if you use calendars at all, 
if you find yourself entering like you know if you enter one event every couple of days and you just have to view your calendar maybe even again every two or three days you should be using Fantastical. Yeah, it's it's uh, we're talking about you know third party apps on iOS. This is one that has absolutely re- uh, earned a way on on my on my phone. Uh, really, really good, really slick. Mine is actually a set of apps um, called No Image Data, spelled No IMG Data, and what this does is. Um, you give it an image and it strips the EXIF data out of it. So when you take a picture with your iPhone, if you have location services turned on and the camera has access to that, it will add GPS information to your photos. And normally I don't care about that sort of thing. Like I'm not super into like, uh, oh no, you know, Siri knows where I am, like whatever. Um, But occasionally I'll take a photo and I need the GPS information taken out of it for security reasons. If I'm, uh, at a client and I'm, you know, Instagramming a picture of their server room, which I probably shouldn't, but if I do, um, it was a, a big issue for me for my last job when we were building the community center, you know, taking pictures of the building and obviously it's not finished and, uh, and I needed for a while to be kind of secretive about what I did. Um, so this app will take out that information. It can even replace it with dummy information so I could set all my photos to look like they were taken at Federico's house. Oh, yeah. Which, which most of them are, honestly. And um, please do. <laughs> it'll it'll run. Uh, they have a Mac App Store version uh, as well as an iPhone version. They work basically the same way. Um, and just a little, you know, a little app that does you know one or two things, but does it really well. And that's uh, that's my favorite kind of app pick. So that is mine for this week. Excellent stuff. So I think we're at the end of the episode. So you can uh, find the links to anything we've discussed today over at 5x5.tv slash prompt slash 5. You can catch up with us online. Um, tell us, you know, get in touch with us. Tell us what you think of the episode. We love that. There is a Twitter account for the show as well, which we do not promote enough. That is underscore the prompt. It's on Twitter and app.net. So it's at underscore the prompt. That's correct, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. yes. And we are all on Twitter individually. Stephen is ISMH at ismh and stephen writes at 512pixels.net federico is at vitici v-i-t-i-c-c-i and he writes for macstories.net and i am imike i-m-y-k-e and i do many podcasts at the glorious 5x5 network at 5x5.tv thanks again for listening gentlemen do you have anything you'd like to say to to wrap up this episode Mm. arrivederci perfect stephen would you like to say goodbye Adios. We'll be back next week. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, when we'll be back with episode six of The Prompt. Bye-bye.